This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everybody. In today's episode, we are going to be covering X, formerly known as Twitter. We're going to be covering some SpaceX news. We're going to be covering Elon Musk. We're going to be covering some Tesla and more. So please stay tuned for more of the Elon Musk Roundup. Today, we're going to look into a recent legal whirlwind that swept up Company X, previously known as Twitter. Now, this is a pretty hefty one. Unsealed court documents reveal that during an investigation into former President Donald Trump's activities surrounding the 2020 presidential election, a covert search warrant was issued for Trump's Twitter account. Now, the secrecy surrounding this warrant was so stringent that the company, now under Musk's helm, faced a hefty fine for delaying the production of these requested records. Unprecedented events are unfolding in the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Recent developments have uncovered that the special counsel's investigation into former President Donald Trump acquired a confidential search warrant for his previously active Twitter account, at RealDonaldTrump. Now, the revelation made public this Wednesday opens a new chapter in the ongoing scrutiny of Trump's activities during and after the 2020 presidential election. Now, the search warrant remained so covert that Twitter, following its rebranding to X, was prohibited from informing Trump. This level of secrecy was deemed necessary to ensure the integrity of the investigation. However, this clandestine approach led to consequences for Company X, which faced a $350,000 fine due to the delay in producing the records requested by the warrant. Now, Jack Smith, the special counsel, remains tight-lipped about the specifics of what he hopes to glean from Trump's Twitter data. For political analysts and the general public alike, Trump's use of the platform, especially leading up to the January 6, 2021 Capitol assault, remains etched in memory. He propagated false election fraud narratives and cited followers with slogans like Stop the Steal and often publicly chastises rivals. Now, these tweets, made in real time, offer potential insights into Trump's mindset and possible behind-the-scenes maneuvering. While the broader focus of the special counsel's office is the ongoing criminal case in the D.C. District Court, the acquisition of the search warrant in January 2023 hints at deeper investigations and perhaps more revelations. This saga between Company X and the special counsel was not without its challenges, though. The two entities sparred in court, debating the ethical and legal implications of notifying Trump about the search warrant. The decision reached by the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals was pivotal. They leaned in favor of the district court's concerns that revealing the search to Trump could lead to evidence tampering or even alerting potential co-conspirators. And in an unexpected turn, the government later conceded to mistakenly suggesting that Trump might attempt to flee, although the district court did not factor this into their final judgment. Now, the legal conflict has spotlighted the balance between corporate compliance, user privacy, and national security. Company X's stand on the First Amendment in the Stored Communications Act highlights the complexities businesses face in such high-profile cases. These legislative tools, often invoked to protect users' rights, were at the heart of this legal tug-of-war. And a significant twist came when prosecutors permitted partial disclosure to Trump. New public information related to this inf- 
New public information related to the investigation paved the way for this adjustment in stance, yet the intricacies of what led to the change remain under wraps. Now, recalling the dynamics of Trump's Twitter saga, his ban post-January 6 sparked widespread debate. The subsequent takeover of Twitter by Elon Musk and Trump's reinstatement was another hot topic. However, the former president's Twitter silence since then has only offered more intrigue. And the legal intricacies further unraveled when examining the non-disclosure order accompanying the search warrant. Twitter's contention with District Court Judge Beryl Howell's decisions played out in dramatic court fashions. And the appeals court, with Judge Florence Pan at the helm, eventually upheld the initial decisions, stressing the importance of maintaining the investigation's integrity. Beyond the courtroom battles, the Justice Department faced practical challenges. Technical glitches hampered their initial efforts to serve the warrant, and the subsequent back and forth with Company X added to the saga's complexity. This all culminated in a significant financial penalty for the company. And Company X now stands at a pivotal juncture in this investigation. The court documents paint a vivid picture of legal standoffs, delays, and a tech giant's efforts to juggle corporate responsibilities with legal obligations. And as Friday approaches, anticipation builds for Trump's arraignment on charges linked to the 2020 elections, U.S. District Court Tanya Chutkin will preside over what promises to be a landmark session. Now, the stage is set for one of the most widely watched legal battles in history. So please stay tuned for more information about this, as this is an ongoing story and it continues to develop minute by minute. If I could ask you a real quick favor, if you could please hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast platform that you're on right now, I'd greatly appreciate it because it helps grow the show. And that's what we want to do. So let's do that. And then let's get into a cage match between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, which is a really odd thing to say. But the worlds of technology and mixed martial arts are set to collide as Tesla and SpaceX founder Elon Musk keeps teasing a potential face-off with Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg. Now, the Internet's rife with speculation, and much of it is fueled by Elon Musk himself. And on Sunday, Musk took to X, the social media platform previously known as Twitter, declaring his intent to live stream the prospective bout with the noble cause of donating all the proceeds to a charity for veterans. Amidst the flurry of updates, Musk made an intriguing revelation. He said, I'm lifting weights throughout the day, preparing for the fight, he penned on X. Now, this announcement comes in line with Musk's subsequent post that unveiled the first episode of X videos. The details of what that entails were left pretty vague. And it was earlier this year that the seeds of this challenge were planted. Musk had tweeted an invitation to Zuckerberg for a, quote, cage match. Zuckerberg, known for his training in jujitsu, gamely responded with send location. And the playful exchange between the tech moguls continued with Musk suggesting the Vegas octagon. A novel twist to the tale was introduced by Ed Crescenstein, a journalist known for his 2019 suspension for Twitter for his vibrant engagement with President Trump's tweets. Now, reinstated in 2022, Crescenstein took to X and presented a fight card of the rumored Musk Zuckerberg bout. He quirkily described Musk as six foot two, reportedly 187 pounds and built like a crash test dummy, while Zuckerberg was painted as a sturdy 155 pound nerd. Now, this unsolicited commentary didn't go unnoticed and Musk was quick to chime in, cheekily contending, I weigh at least 300 pounds. He continued to dissect the hypothetical matchup surmising if the fight is short i would probably win 
If long, he may win on endurance. I'm much bigger, and there's a reason MA has weight divisions. Now, Facebook's rebranding to Meta has ushered in a fresh wave of competition with Musk's ventures, notably with the release of Threads, a direct rival to Twitter. And as corporate competition simmers, the potential physical duel has garnered substantial attention, and Zuckerberg remains somewhat skeptical, having posted on Threads, quote, I suggested August 26 when he first challenged, but he hasn't confirmed, not holding my breath. Now, such skepticism might be well-founded. After all, Musk has previously stated that he might require surgery to fortify the titanium plate securing his C5 and C6 vertebrae. And with Musk's previous sumo wrestling experience leading to mega back pain, concerns about his fitness to fight are not unwarranted. And while Musk seems to be gearing up for the event, frequently updating followers about his training stints with UFC legend Jordan St. Pierre and podcaster Lex Friedman, both of those are credible MA fighters. Zuckerberg, too, hasn't been idle. He's been spotted training with UFC champions as well. And the larger-than-life duel, if it materializes, promises to be a record-smashing event. UFC President Dana White believes it would be the biggest fight ever, potentially breaking all pay-per-view records and raising hundreds of millions for charity. Yet amidst all the digital fervor, barb trading and preparations, there's a considerable degree of uncertainty clouding the prospective showdown. Musk's recent posts suggest enthusiasm, with mentions of lifting 45-pound weights to prep. However, without concrete dates, the world watches and waits wondering if the tech titans will ever really step into the cage. Now, this could be a pretty big event. Beyond the charitable contributions and the sheer spectacle of two of the world's most recognizable CEOs going toe-to-toe and face-to-face in the octagon, this could be a really interesting bout and could shoot X.com and threads higher up with engagement. So we'll see what happens with this. But if you're interested, please take a second and hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast platform you're on right now. Helps us out tremendously. Now, let's take a look at some SpaceX Starbase news because Starship had an interesting day. A 2.75 seconds or something like that of a static fire that happened on the stand. And it looked pretty successful. It looked pretty good. It was short. I think it looked like a lot of Raptors fired. I don't know if all of them fired, but a lot of them did. And it, from what we understand, some Raptors canceled, they stopped. So they aborted, and so they aborted the whole thing. So while it looks cool and there's lots of smoke and stuff, which is awesome, I don't know that it was 100% successful. And, and as a result, I think they're going to be moving the booster back to the shipyard to maybe do some repairs. Not sure. Yeah, it looks like they have a couple of SPMT down at the launch site now, moving down there to move Booster back to the production facility, which is, it's expected after something like this. It's the wrong direction, to be honest. I was hoping everything would just stay out there, but now there's going to be nothing out there. 25 got moved back already. Yeah. And and now they're going to move 9 back, B9. So it's a little disappointing that everybody's leaving the launch site as opposed to going to the launch site. What are you going to do? Yeah, you can, they have to make the changes if they, and we don't know, Six hasn't said anything about why the engine shut down or what happened during the static fire or if it was 100% successful. And you can grade success on a few things. One of them is collection of data. They're collecting data at this. So if you're just going to say, oh, they collected data, that was successful. And at this point, it's the second 
try. I think, it's, I think but, we're a bit beyond just collecting data. At yeah. This point. We want success. We want it to work. You know, we, SpaceX. Yeah, yeah. As a collective, the space community here, the spaceflight yeah. community, we want it to work. We want it to get to orbit. But also, SpaceX definitely needs this thing to get up there. They have a lot riding on these boosters. As far as yeah. the data collection goes, they're going to figure out what happened. And they're going to well, figure- recently said that their hope is to, it's basically the same as last time, get to separation. Yeah. Uh, their goal is not necessarily to get to orbit yeah. or near orbit. Their goal is just to separate and yeah. uh, prove that works and they can do it. And the ship moves off in, in the right course and right direction. And that would be successful. That would so. be great. He gave, mm -hmm. I think he gave it a 50% chance. He gave the last one a 50% chance to clear the tower. Okay. So that was the first attempt. IFT-1 was to clear the tower, 50% chance to get off the pad. And then this one's 50% chance to do hot stage firing, which they have never tested before. They've never tested it. So it's 50-50 shot if this is going to work. Mm -hmm. Our engineers are great, but stuff could happen. Things could get shaken. Things could go wrong. So there's a possibility that 50% goes wrong <laughs> or 50% yeah, goes sure. right. There's, so there's a chance 100% goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or this makes it to orbit. Who knows? Does their orbital velocity and makes it all the way to Hawaii? And it, it would be great if that happened. But it seems like they're going to be moving this thing back to the production facility. And when they move it back to the production facility, probably swap out some Raptors, figure out what happened. Was it the water deluge system? Did extinguish these raptors? There's a little, there's a Good little question. Some rumors floating around on Reddit and on Twitter about was the water deluge system too powerful? And it part of what I'm curious about is if you look at the water deluge system, I think video here from SpaceX, it shoots up quite far right into the air. Yeah. The engines are quite high up in the air too, but it shoots out more or less sideways rather than up. So I don't know, know how the deluge system would have affected the raptors it doesn't really go up into the base of the ship yeah and you can see from this picture i think more that it doesn't really there's a little bit of spray that but it doesn't really get up there it's, it's a, pretty really yeah yeah but could it have tripped some sensors and the engines when the the engines hit the water and it created steam and could there have been a, some sort of sensor issue shut down the engines engines could be fine the sensors could just be too sensitive sensoritive if that's the issue, yeah, yeah, it's possible. It could just be the those darn raptors that are uh, unreliable. Right? Unreliable. Oh man, yeah. Don't get me started on that. Reddit, if you're listening, the most um, complex engine in the world is unreliable. What's surprise? Imagine that. Yeah, imagine <laughs> the, it's never been done before. It's the most most powerful engine ever built, but it's unreliable. Second, it's the second test. So yeah. you know. It, Raptor 2, they're building Raptor 3, and of course, not only are they making it more powerful, they're making it more reliable, they're making it with less parts, which makes it more reliable, less things to break, always more reliable. But it seems like the deluge system worked pretty good. It looked like it worked pretty good. I did wonder what the effective part is of the deluge system, though. Like, we see lots of water pouring out, but I definitely have seen a video, and I think you've got the video somewhere. Maybe I could show it where they're testing a, an engine. I don't know if it's SpaceX at all, but they're testing an engine against the deluge system. It could be, this could be the mock-up of SpaceX's system, uh, but you can see that the flames 
just destroy the water. There's no way that the shooting water is stopping these flames. So my guess is, and I think that's accurate, my guess is that the water shooting out is just part of a radiation system. The actual water underneath the steel plates is the important one. That's the stuff that's cooling those plates as it gets hot. The water shooting out is just more or less hot water point shooting out that's been heated by these engines. So yeah, the deluge system is more about cooling the underside of the plate rather than stopping the flames from hurting the plate. Yeah, I think so too. It's more for there's noise suppression, of course, which is great for the wildlife and great for the people down there. But also you have, like you said, it's a metal, it's a giant steel deflector at the bottom of the pad. So they got to cool it down. These engines are, like you said, the most powerful engines ever. So the, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's a radiator, basically. It's we don't have another rock tornado like last time. There's a chance that maybe this is all going to work. I don't know. I think this is going to be incredible if it does. There's no flame diverter trench. And people, if you've noticed anything from Twitter, it's that there are some people. I was, I'm still one of them. I don't know if this is going to work 100%. But there's a lot of people on social media that are saying, that have said and will continue to say that this needs a flame diverter. It needs Mm -hmm. a giant trench. It Mm -hmm. needs to be built up. 30 feet in the air, they need to stack a bunch of stuff on yeah. and then put the rocket on top of that. But it looks like they're proving everybody wrong. <laughs> so it's great. Well, I think, I think, I think we it's have awesome. To remember, I think you have to remember that flame diverter trench, so to speak, if we put that in quotations, is 60, 70 year old tech, if you yeah. will. Very low tech, but it's tech. things can be better and things can be new and still work. It's yep. not like the, it just stops working because there's something new. You just got to keep push, pushing and keep progressing forward. My, my bigger concern, it always has been, is what happens on Mars or the moon or something like that. If you're trying, maybe not the moon, but Mars, you're not going to have a water-cooled deluge system on Mars. How do they prevent it there? That's the biggest concern and worry. And perhaps a trench on Mars makes more sense. We're diving into the big news surrounding X, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. And our main topic today revolves around a brewing controversy concerning X's recent commandeering of the at music handle from open source developer Jeremy Vaughn, a notable case that has sparked crucial debates over intellectual property rights and user trust in social media platforms. Now, Vaughn, who established the at music handle back in 2007 and successfully built a robust community of nearly half a million followers, found his long-term dedication to the platform countered by the recent rebranding efforts from X. This and more is causing waves of unease among the community and presents an interesting discussion about the future of user rights on social media platforms under new corporate leadership. But before we delve further into the intricacies of this situation, we'll be taking a quick commercial break. So stick around. You don't want to miss the insights we're about to unpack about X.com, Elon Musk, and this controversial topic of the at music handle. All right, welcome back everybody. And as a user-driven social media platform, X, formerly known as Twitter, has always relied on its diverse and passionate community of users to fuel its growth and its prominence. Now, however, recent actions by the company commandeering the handle at music from open source software developer, Jeremy Vaught, are raising eyebrows and sparking fresh debates about intellectual property rights and the trustworthiness of social media platforms. Now, let's go back to 2007. 
Vought, a dedicated music enthusiast and creator, set up the at music handle and successfully built a thriving community of approximately half a million followers. Now, despite the enormous worth of such a handle on the social media platform, X's recent rebranding efforts saw it repossess the handle from him, presenting him instead with a list of other music-related usernames to choose from. Vought's new X-Aside account, at MusicFan, is far from ideal, according to the software developer, but he's decided to accept it for now. His followers were transferred to the new account, providing some continuity in the wake of this unexpected change. Still, he remarked to CNBC that this development could discourage creators from investing long-term in X due to fears of suddenly losing their handles. He had primarily used his music handle as a platform to review consumer hardware products, notably those associated with music. And with an influential social media status, he was frequently sought out by manufacturers of headphones, earbuds, and other related accessories. The account, however, was not a revenue stream for him. And under previous management, there were times when Vought fretted over the possible takeover of his at music handle by Twitter. However, the social media giant had opted to leave at music untouched and establish its own at Twitter music handle. This all changed after Elon Musk took over and rebranded Twitter as X. It remains unclear what plans X has for the at music handle. As of this report, the company has posted a photo of musician Ed Sheeran holding a copy of his 2014 album X, pronounced Multiply, to the account. Neither representatives for Sheeran, X, or Musk have responded to requests for our comments. Now, ironically, Vought, who once invested in another Musk-led company, Tesla, still uses X. He set up new accounts on Meta's text-based competitor threads and also Mastodon, explaining that the software development community remains active on X, making it, quote, the most interesting social that I have. Now, his history with Musk's venture also includes paying a $100 refundable fee to reserve a Tesla Cybertruck. This is the pickup truck from Tesla, and it's not been released yet, and there's no real final specs or pricing out there as we write this. So the repercussions of X's commandeering move had rippled beyond the loss of the music handle, though. This instance of impersonal corporate takeover from a user who had contributed 16 years to the platform brought forth questions about intellectual property and users' rights on social media. Follows a similar incident when X took over the handle at X from another long-term user during its rebranding. That's what an NBC News report says. Now, the sequence of these events has led to an increasing level of discomfort among X's users. For instance, Vought felt uneasy when he discovered that his new handle at MusicFan had been created back in 2011, leading him to wonder whether X had repossessed it from another user. While he could not get a definitive answer from the company, he described the entire process as, quote, skeezy and an unfair result of 16 years of dedicated engagement with the platform. This discontent echoes broader criticisms of X since Musk's acquisition and rebranding of Twitter last year. The shift to X is seen as part of a larger restructuring effort amid declining ad revenues. Yet the recent uprising of user handles has drawn increased scrutiny, forcing users, intellectual property advocates, and industry watchers alike to question the implications of X's new direction on user rights, trust, and the future of the platform. Now, Vought encapsulates these sentiments best, saying 16 years is a long time to invest in something and then just have it ripped out from underneath you. 
And as X charts its future course, the company will need to find a balance between its corporate objectives and the community that built the platform from the ground up. And now we're going to move our focus down to Starbase, Boca Chica, Texas, where SpaceX has tested the Booster 9 for the upcoming Starship flight. SpaceX moved a step closer to realizing its deep space aspirations, conducting a brief yet significant test of its Starship booster and an accompanying water deluge system at the Starbase launch facility in Boca Chica, Texas. Now, there's a little bit of background of this test, so let's get into that before we move on. Now, they've been gearing up for the next launch of the Starship rocket. This is a vehicle designed for missions to the moon, Mars, and anywhere in the solar system. And to achieve this, the Starship system requires a powerful booster known as the Super Heavy. Now, this booster is equipped with 33 Raptor engines, all of which ignite simultaneously for liftoff. Now, previously, during an April launch test, the Starship didn't quite meet its goals due to complications. And this resulted in SpaceX intentionally destroying the vehicle mid-flight. Now, during that attempt, the power of the Raptor engines, even though just 30 of them were ignited, wreaked havoc on the launch pad. Elon Musk, the CEO of SpaceX, termed the result damage a rock tornado, which led to widespread damage and debris and concerns over future tests. Now, understanding the severity of the damage and potential risks in future launches, SpaceX's engineering teams innovated. They introduced steel plates to the launch pad underneath the rocket, and they serve as barriers against the intense heat and force produced by the Raptor engines. Now, the company conceptualized a water deluge system, too, to further reduce the effects of the ignition. Let's get into this test a little bit. It was very short, but it's really important. Sunday marked the day when both systems, the engine ignition and the water deluge system, would be tested together for the first time. And the ignition lasted just 2.74 seconds. While most of the engines function as expected, four stopped prematurely. Now, concurrently, the deluge system released a huge surge of water onto the launch pad, and the entire process was briefly strained by SpaceX. So we got John Innsbrucker, one of the best commentators in spaceflight, who anchored this live stream. And when it concluded, he noted that there was stable condition of both the pad and the vehicle. However, SpaceX has maintained a level of secrecy around this, and we don't know the test's absolute success or any of the results of this test quite yet. Now, what's ahead, though, because SpaceX has a lot to look forward to. The definitive date for the second flight, the IFT-2, we don't really know yet. But earlier, during an interactive session, Musk shared projections of launching the rocket within a few months. The April 20th launch, despite its shortcomings, has been a significant learning curve for SpaceX. The aftermath saw the company revisit its strategies and reinforce safety measures, including the installation of the water deluge system. And the water deluge system is designed to manage the intense energy of the rocket's engines. It ejects water to counterbalance the heat from the Raptor engines, and it also protects the pad and dampens the sound in that area. However, there's still concerns, though. The damage from the April launch hasn't gone unnoticed by regulators and watchdogs. The Federal Aviation Administration, or the FAA, is closely monitoring the situation, and they're ensuring that all safety and environmental standards are met. Now, this scrutiny has also led to legal challenges around the licensing process for subsequent launches. Moreover, there's a matter of the rocket's flight termination system, which plays a crucial role during any anomalies in flight. There were noted delays in his activation during the first flight, or the IFT-1, which Musk and his team are currently addressing. 
Now, the next anticipated Starship flight will involve Booster 9 and another prototype named Ship 25. With technical, environmental, and legal checkpoints ahead, the IFT-2 is possibly a few months away, according to Elon Musk. So let's see where this goes. We're going to dive into the intricacies and the challenges of commercial spaceflight with a spotlight on Boeing's Starliner program. And as commercial space travel takes center stage, giants like SpaceX and Boeing are at the forefront, pushing the boundaries of innovation and of safety. And amidst the backdrop of ambitious ventures and high stakes, the Starliner program has grappled with a series of setbacks, but ever striding towards their pivotal mission to the International Space Station. Now join us as we unravel the story behind Boeing's efforts, the comparisons with SpaceX and the stakes that lie ahead for commercial space travel. But stay tuned real quick. We'll be right back after a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors. Welcome back, everybody. Boeing is a very peculiar company right now. This is a journey filled with trials and resilience from the aerospace giant. Now, they've witnessed significant advances with commercial space flight emerging as a dominant trend with the company. And companies like SpaceX and Boeing have become key players in this new frontier contracted to ferry astronauts to the International Space Station, the ICE, and back home to the Earth. However, the road to success isn't without challenges, as Boeing's Starliner program demonstrates. On Monday, they had a press conference with Boeing Vice President and Starliner Manager Mark Nappi, and they shed light on the program's progress. And while the Starliner is projected to be ready by early March, it's crucial to note that this doesn't imply a confirmed launch. They emphasize collaboration with NASA's commercial crew program, the I and the United Launch Alliance, or the ULA, to finalize potential commercial launch dates. Boeing Starliner spacecraft has had a tumultuous history, though. Initially, it was scheduled for a July 21st launch for a critical crew test flight. It would have carried NASA astronauts to the ISS. However, unforeseen challenges arose weeks before the takeoff. Boeing and NASA discovered issues related to Starliner's parachutes and the flammable tape used in its construction. Now, such challenges necessitated the postponement of the flight. However, adversity often leads to innovation, and the Starliner team has been hard at work devising solutions to these setbacks. Now, let's get a little bit deeper into the safety challenges that Starliner has faced as well. Now, this first pertained to the parachutes designed to ensure the crew's safe landing. Steve Stitch, NASA's commercial crew manager, shed light on these parachutes' load capacity, noting potential risks if one parachute had failed. Resolving this concern led the Starliner team to redesign the parachute soft links, connecting the parachute to the capsule. And to validate these changes, parachute tests are lined up for November, aiming for a final parachute delivery by year-end. In parallel, the flammable tape inside the Starliner raised concerns. A such tape, pivotal for insulating the spacecraft's wiring harnesses, was identified as a fire hazard. In addressing this, the Starliner team removed a significant amount of this tape and developed mitigation techniques, ensuring the spacecraft's internal safety. Now, space logistics plays a pivotal role in determining the Starliner's future launch date. And considering the ISS's operational schedule and the availability of ULA's Atlas V rocket is very essential. Financially, the Starliner program has proved challenging for Boeing. And despite their steadfast commitment and having poured billions of dollars into the program, financial setbacks persist. Recently, 
They've reported an additional $257 million loss, taking the Starliner mission's total loss to a staggering $1.14 billion. And such figures underscore the enormity of the stakes involved. And amid these challenges, though, NASA's belief in the Starliner program continues. Joel Matabano, manager of NASA's ISS program, reiterated the importance of Starliner to the International Space Station. This faith is anchored in Boeing's $4.3 billion contract with NASA, emphasizing Starliner's role in astronaut transportation. However, the comparative analysis is hard to ignore. SpaceX, NASA's other commercial partner, is strides ahead, having already conducted six successful crewed launches to the International Space Station. In contrast, Starliner's counter remains at zero, and the Starliner is grounded on the Earth. Now, the overarching narrative surrounding Starliner is not just about overcoming technological challenges, but also racing against time. The scheduled retirement in 2030 means Boeing has a limited window to make its missions count. Steve Stitch expressed NASA's aspirations to have diversified space transportation systems, and the vision encompasses not just reliability, but also flexibility in the face of unforeseen challenges. And the recent press conference signifies Boeing's commitment to transparency. Addressing setbacks head-on and outlining a roadmap for resolution demonstrates both Boeing's and NASA's dedication to safety and excellence. And with a Starliner crewed test flight initially set for February, then rescheduled for April, and later to July, stakeholders are eager for its successful launch. This test flight is not just another launch, but symbolizes the combination of years of research, hard work, and persistence by the company. It'll pave the way for regularly crewed flights to the International Space Station, marking a significant milestone in commercial spaceflight. Now, the aerospace sector is an embodiment of human ambition and the drive to push boundaries. Companies like Boeing and SpaceX, but Boeing with their Starliner program and SpaceX with their Dragon program, epitomize this spirit. And while challenges are part and parcel of such groundbreaking endeavors, what truly matters is the ability to persevere, innovate, and ultimately succeed. Now, we hope that Boeing succeeds, because the more ways that people can get to the International Space Station, the better. And also, if something happens to one of SpaceX's Dragon capsules here on the ground, they could put a Boeing Starliner in its place temporarily until they can get things figured out. It's a very important mission, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you did, please take a second and subscribe to the show or follow it. It's usually a little button at the top of your podcast player, and I'd really appreciate it. It helps the show grow. And we've grown tremendously because of you. So you're part of this cool community that we have going on for business and tech and Elon Musk fans. So thank you for being part of this. The notable bet by Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, amplifies sales and profits by slashing the price tag on its product seemed to display ambiguous results. The electric vehicle giant not only marked a sales surge in the second quarter of the year, but also managed to exceed Wall Street's net income forecasts. However, a discernible decline in the company's profit margin caused apprehension, and Tesla shares underwent a wavering ride in after-hours trading. Now, when the details of the financial records disclosed, Tesla, known for its line of electric vehicles, solar products, and energy storage solutions, posted a net income of $2.7 billion for the April and June quarter registering a 20% growth over the previous year. Now, earnings per share followed the trend with an increment of 20%, reaching 78 cents, in line with generally accepted accounting principles, or GP. Now, the revenue figures were equally impressive, showing a 47% jump 
to a substantial $24.93 billion. Yet a majority of analysts direct their attention to a more specialized metric of profit used by Tesla, a method that emits expenses linked to stock-based compensation. Using this measurement, Tesla's net income soared to $3.15 billion, or 91 cents per share, remarkably overshooting average analyst predictions of 80 cents per share, as provided by FactSet. This came as a surprise to some experts who had predicted an income fall resulting from the company's price reduction strategy. Tesla's share prices displayed uncertainty post-earnings report, lingering around $292 in after-hours trading before slipping over 4% as company executives conducted a conference call with analysts. And earlier this month, on June 2nd, Tesla announced vigorous vehicle delivery statistics, an 83% increase compared to the same period last year. This leap was credited to consecutive price cuts on its four electric vehicle models. Records indicate the sale of 466,140 vehicles globally from April to June, almost doubling the 254,695 units sold in the corresponding period the previous year. These transactions predominantly involved Tesla's celebrated Model 3 sedans and Model Y crossover SUVs. Yet the financial summary conveyed conflicting indicators concerning Tesla's ability to elevate sales without compromising its profit margins, a challenge that's been a focal point for observers. Now, Tesla's operating margin, a gauge of sales conversion into pre-tax profits, dipped to 9.6% in the second quarter, a steep fall from 14.6% a year ago, and a parallel decline was also detected in the preceding quarter. Musk's discourse with analysts likewise underscored his satisfaction with Tesla's performance amid economic volatility and high interest rates. He was also eager to discuss forthcoming ventures like the company's full self-driving software and a machine learning system named Dojo intended to refine self-driving capabilities. Musk has been talking about the Cybertruck too, a futuristic pickup, announcing that the first vehicle had already rolled off the assembly line with intentions to deliver by year's end. Despite Musk's optimism, Analysts express skepticism about the Cybertruck's availability in the near term. Competitors like Ford have already released more traditional electric pickups, such as the Ford F-150 Lightning, casting further doubts on Tesla. Now, analyst Seth Goldstein from Morningstar Research shared his perspective on this. He said, I don't think we'll see any meaningful volumes, certainly not this year, not even next year. Maybe we're looking more into 2025, 26, 27 until we see them. And there's also a potential for Tesla to do big things in Indonesia. After an extended two and a half hour meeting in San Francisco on August 3rd, expectations are growing that Elon Musk may invest in Indonesia's electric vehicle supply chain. However, it was a surprising announcement for Indonesia when Malaysia was chosen as Tesla Inc's Southeast Asia base. The meeting's length, lasting twice as long as anticipated, hints at the significance of the ongoing discussions between Musk and Indonesian officials, including maritime affairs and investment coordinator minister. In contrast to prior public missteps, where Indonesian authorities were criticized for making early claims regarding Musk's intentions in the country, this time the negotiation team has been reticent about the outcome. However, a source with knowledge of the matter did state that Musk and his team were openly discussing their thoughts on Tesla and SpaceX. The latter had previously been offered an equatorial launch site on Biak Island, north of Papau. India's official comment about the meeting centered on a potential partnership with SpaceX subsidiary Starlink, 
known for providing affordable internet access to over 60 countries via thousands of small satellites. The health minister, who also attended the meeting, emphasized the importance of Starlink services for connecting schools and health clinics in remote areas of eastern Indonesia, particularly in Maluku and Papau. The internet provider services have also proven vital in countries like Ukraine, where it facilitates communication in areas affected by conflict. Although not stated in the official release, inside sources have indicated discussions surrounding an automotive investment of at least a billion dollars. The realization of this investment may hinge on the Indonesian government's willingness to offer significant concessions, which have been a sticking point in past negotiations. A source familiar with the matter expressed the problem as being on Indonesia's side, as they have not yet allowed Musk the flexibility he seeks. The agreement on any concessions will require not only the president's approval, but likely also parliamentary consent, mirroring the process followed in significant contrasts in the past, such as with giant Freeport McMoran copper and gold. Legal experts have suggested that previous agreements, which locked in details like tax rates and vendor selection, could serve as a model for Tesla's contract, providing stability against sudden policy changes. Now, with China having a significant presence in Indonesia's local nickel industry, analysts believe the government is especially eager to secure Musk's investment to balance influence and promote development in the region. Revelations about plans for a possible Musk visit to Indonesia next month and a conclusion by year's end have increased anticipation. The detailed examination of locations and other critical considerations by Tesla is expected to be the final steps before a firm decision. The president of Indonesia's aspirations create a fledged EV production line in Indonesia, encompassing raw material smelting and battery and vehicle manufacturing, face a swiftly nearing window of opportunity. Despite the three-year effort to attract Musk to Indonesia, talks broke down last year amid speculation that the entrepreneur was discouraged by Indonesia's complex regulations and conditions. The news of Tesla setting up a regional office in Malaysia coupled with tariff-free imports of Tesla's latest models, added to Indonesia's concerns. Now, Indonesia's progress in EV manufacturing has been slow, partly due to local government regulations and recent reassurances from investment minister regarding an 8.9 billion integrated EV battery plant in central Java have not entirely allayed fears related to regulatory issues. But despite multiple meetings and a high-profile visit to SpaceX's Tesla complex, Indonesian officials have faced challenges in convincing Musk. There were complaints that Musk's demands were excessive and that Tesla needed to align with domestic investment guidelines. The government's insistence on EV investors partnering with a state-run Indonesia Battery Corporation, the IBC, has reportedly deterred Musk. The IBC, comprising several key Indonesian firms, is a partner in a large LG-led consortium, a multi-phase project that began with a $1.1 billion battery cell plant. Now, Musk's investment in Indonesia would undeniably elevate the nation's EV industry. Last year, Tesla had signed contracts worth about $5 billion for lithium battery materials from facilities in nickel-rich eastern Indonesia. This recent meeting in San Francisco signifies an essential phase in the ongoing discussions between Tesla and the Indonesian government. And while the outcomes remain carefully guarded, the potential collaboration on various fronts, including Starlink and the EV industry, and mark a transformative moment for Indonesia balancing the demands of one of the world's wealthiest entrepreneurs in the country's regulations and strategic interests will require finesse and determination. Thank you very much for listening to the show today. So if you could do me a favor and hit the follow or subscribe button 
on whatever podcast platform that you're on. I'd greatly appreciate it. Take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll see you in the next one. We dove into the transformation of X, the company formerly known as Twitter, and the vision of its new CEO, Linda Yaccarino. And since its acquisition by Elon Musk, X has embarked on a crazy journey, aiming to redefine social media as an everything platform. Now, from introducing video chats to embracing long-form videos, creator subscriptions, and AI-powered ad tech, X is striving to be a real-time global town square. Now, however, the path towards innovation is full of challenges. Financial struggles, ethical dilemmas, legal battles, and public perception are some of the hurdles that X must overcome. And we'll explore Yakarino's leadership strategies and Musk's role in reshaping the platform, as well as dissect the controversies and promising opportunities that lay ahead for X. CEO Linda Yaccarino's vision for X extends beyond microblogging. She's working to transform the platform into an everything app, a concept that aims to seamlessly integrate various forms of media, communication, and transactions within one platform. Now, Yaccarino confirmed that video chat will soon be introduced as part of the transformation, stating, soon you'll be able to make video chat calls without having to give your phone number to anyone on the platform. While entering the crowded video chat market is a bold move, X sees it as a step towards becoming a real-time global town square. The company is reimagining itself as a hub for multiple activities, including long-form videos, payments, creator subscriptions, and interactive video experiences. One of X's first significant forays into new territories was long-form video. Subscribers can now upload videos up to two hours long, now, this move caters to both advertisers like Apple, which use the platform to promote its series silo and content creators who are given new opportunities to engage with their audiences. X also began paying content creators who have significant followings, turning itself into a platform that rewards creativity and influence. Now, Yaccarino views this as part of X's evolution past a legacy mindset allowing for a reimagining of how people interact and transact online. The optimism expressed by Yaccarino about X's future is backed by a strategic approach focusing on advertising, data licensing, and new business ventures. And Yaccarino, with her expertise in advertising, is driving innovations within the company. She's spearheading efforts to integrate AI-powered ad tech, providing brands with greater control over ad placements. By offering options to brands regarding the content their ads are placed alongside, Yaccarino hopes to create a more personalized and strategic advertising experience. They said, Our data licensing and API with X is an incredible business. Our new subscription business is growing. This statement underscores the CEO's belief in diversifying revenue streams and creating robust business models that extend beyond traditional social media functions. And despite the optimistic outlook, X faces a multitude of challenges that need careful navigation. Yaccarino's claim that X is nearing a break-even point is noteworthy, especially considering the significant financial struggles since its acquisition by Elon Musk. Ad revenue is in decline, and the company has implemented measures such as limiting rates for non-subscribers of Twitter Blue and hiking API access fees to boost cash flow. X's move to reduce its staff size without fulfilling promises of three-month severance for laid-off employees raises ethical and legal concerns. 
Additionally, the company is embroiled in lawsuits over unpaid rent for office spaces across several countries. And Yaccarino's assertion that 99.9% of posted impressions on X are healthy has drawn scrutiny. Her stance on freedom of speech, not freedom of reach, raises questions about the platform's responsibility and approach to moderating content. With public figures known for controversial opinions returning to the platform, Yaccarino's ability to address these concerns will be closely watched. Now, Yaccarino's vision for X represents a huge attempt to redefine social media. From video chats and long-form content to a diversified approach to revenue generation, X's future looks to be a blend of innovation and expansion. However, this promising future is not without the obstacles, financial struggles, legal troubles, and questions about content moderation. And Yaccarino's leadership, strategic approach, and ability to navigate these challenges will really determine X's success in his transformation. And as Yaccarino continues her daily meetings with brands and pushes for innovations in advertising and business models, her leadership will be tested by the complex landscape of social media and for tech. The CEO's ability to align the company with its rebranded identity, X, and guide it towards the vision of an everything app will be crucial for the future. Now, the journey for X under Yaccarino's stewardship is akin to a carefully plotted course through turbulent waters. The integration of various services into a single platform presents both opportunities and risks. The road ahead is full of potential pitfalls, but the destination, if reached, could redefine the way we interact online. In Yaccarino's own words, she said, we'll see if that cage match really does happen. The same can be said for X's transformation. Many will be watching to see if these plans translate into a tangible success for the platform. Now, X's metamorphosis, guided by Yaccarino, is still unfolding, and the outcome is uncertain, but the potential is huge. So if you want to stay up to date with this story and all other Elon Musk stories, please take a second and hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast platform you're on right now. It helps out the show a little bit, but it helps you out because you get all the news as soon as it happens. Thank you so much, everybody. Take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll see you in the next one. Elon Musk has thrown down the gauntlet to Meta's Mark Zuckerberg, challenging him to a duel of physical prowess in a Las Vegas cage fight. It's a confrontation that ignited the world of social media, sparking debates and even street polls in New York City as Musk's apparent annoyance at Meta's launch of threads, a Twitter rival, evolves into a full-fledged competition. But this cage match is more than a spectacle. It's a testament to the extraordinary control both CEOs wield over their companies, raising questions about corporate governments, leadership responsibility, and also risk. From Zuckerberg's $14 million security budget to the supermajority voting rules that Musk has virtually that's untouchable at Tesla. Now, we'll explore the unprecedented situation where even the boards cannot stop their CEOs from stepping into the octagon. Stay tuned as we delve into this unlikely duel. But before we do that, let's take a quick commercial break because this helps us keep the show free. In an unexpected and contentious development in the tech world, Tesla CEO Elon Musk and Meta's CEO Mark Zuckerberg have publicly committed to engaging in a cage fight, a decision that's attracted scrutiny from corporate governance experts, elicited a mixture of disbelief and excitement from the public and raise questions about leadership and accountability in major corporations. 
The rivalry between these two tech moguls has long been the subject of attention, but tensions escalated following Meta's launch of Threads, a platform competing directly with Twitter, which Musk recently acquired and renamed to X. In response, Musk challenged Zuckerberg to a cage match, an invitation the Meta CEO actually accepted. Now, the proposition ignited a frenzy of social media debate with individuals and media outlets alike speculating about the outcome of a hypothetical physical confrontation between the two tech giants. Despite initial doubts about the seriousness of the challenge, subsequent announcements by both CEOs have confirmed that the fight is indeed scheduled. Now, while some observers view the planned fight as a playful display of competition, Others, particularly corporate government's experts, have expressed serious reservation. Charles Elson, the Edgar S. Wolin Jr. Chair in Corporate Governance at the University of Delaware, criticized the decision, emphasizing the responsibility of corporate leaders to act prudently. This isn't reality television. These are large-scale organizations. Hundreds of thousands of people work there and depend on stable leadership, he said. The concern extends to what is known as key person risk. Both Musk and Zuckerberg are considered indispensable to their companies, and any serious injury to either could have negative repercussions for the respective organizations. This is a worry explicitly acknowledged in the regulatory filings of both Meta and Tesla. Now, the situation highlights the extraordinary control that both CEOs have over their companies. Zuckerberg, due to Meta's dual-class share structure, essentially cannot be fired. Meanwhile, Tesla's supermajority voting rules make it extremely difficult to remove Musk, who owns around 13% of the company's shares. Elson points out that the lack of accountability presents a danger to investors. That's the danger of investing in such things. There's no accountability, he said. But despite the criticism, preparations for this cage fight are underway. Musk and Zuckerberg have been training, with Musk even hinting at the possibility of a surgery before the event. The fight's details, including the venue and management, have been a subject of ongoing negotiations and public announcements. Italy's Prime Minister and Minister of Culture have reportedly agreed to host the match on Italian soil, and the fight will be managed by foundations controlled by Musk and Zuckerberg rather than the UFC. Musk has also stated that all proceeds will go to veterans. Now, these developments have done little to quell the concerns of those opposed to the fight. Columbia Law School's John Coffey expressed skepticism and disdain, stating they need a respected figure like Warren Buffett to tell them that CEOs should not act like children. And the lack of a clear succession plan in both companies, particularly if something were to happen to either CEO during the fight, as to these worries. Both Tesla and Meta have remained quiet about the concern, with Tesla even defeating a shareholder proposal to produce a succession plan at its latest annual meeting. Now, the fight has not only sparked discussions about corporate governance, but also opened up broader cultural conversation. The decision by two of the world's most powerful individuals to engage in a physical confrontation has been described by some as symptomatic of a significant crisis tied to the horrors of late-stage capitalism and the media's role is covering the event. Despite its seemingly frivolous nature, has also been a point of contention. The influence and economic power of these two individuals make their actions noteworthy, yet many question the wisdom and maturity of this decision. The fight's potential impact on the image and reputation of both CEOs 
and their companies remains to be seen. Some view the event as a noble sport and an opportunity for charity, while others see it as a debasing spectacle that undermines the dignity and responsibility expected of global business leaders. Here's a quick take from another professional. They said, if these two CEOs want to donate money, they can donate out of their pockets. They don't need to fight and use other people's money to do it. Now, the cage fight between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg is an unprecedented event that transcends a simple physical confrontation. It has brought to the four issues of corporate governance, leadership, accountability, and the role of CEOs in modern society. And whether seen as a playful challenge or a reckless distraction, the planned fight has certainly captured the world's attention. As details continue to unfold, the corporate world, regulators, investors, and the general public will be watching very closely with their eyes and also with their wallets. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the show today. I do appreciate you. And if you enjoy Elon Musk news and tech news, please take a second and hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now, because it helps the show out tremendously. I couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much for your continued support. We're growing crazy because of you. So thank you for joining this community. And also, please take care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you in the next episode.